Morning, church. How's everybody doing? Before I jump into the sermon, I'd like to begin just with a word of prayer. Father, we love you so much, and uh, we're so grateful for the opportunity to worship you. We're grateful to be a part of such an amazing community, a church, a family here that, uh, you know, we, we think about how you can be glorified not only here in Santa Clarita or in L.A., but all around the world. And uh, I pray, God, that as we look at your word today, that we can walk away with the conviction that we need to desperately pursue you. And you are the most important uh, person that we can talk to every single day. We love you. It's in your sons and I pray. Amen. I want to start off by asking a question this morning, and it's, what do you have a desperate pursuit for? What do you have a desperate pursuit for? You know, we have, you know, and I don't know what that is for you. Um, I've had desperate disputes for many different things in my life. Um, I know one of the things I could tell you a little bit about was my just cars. Because I grew up not having nice cars. My, the car that I learned how to drive on was one of those 15-passenger club wagons. Like, it's our church van kind of like car. I learned how to parallel park that sucker. And uh, because, I mean, I'm the oldest of four. And, you know, our family liked to do family, uh, you know, we'd take these little trips. And we'd always have people with us, like cross-country trips and stuff like that. And, and we would just have, we would just load the van up and it was this big, ugly brown, it was like two tone brown van. And, and so that's what we had. And then, and then after we got rid of that, we got a mint green Ford Aerostar van, 1995 Ford Aerostar van. And uh, that was the car that I, in, I inherited and had to drive to school. And I've told you guys about that one. I was so ashamed of driving that to school. Um, I went to a school kind of like a Valencia. Anybody here go to Valencia? Yeah, where kids are driving like Beamers and Jags and all these nice cars. Yeah, I went to a school kind of like that where everybody's driving these nice cars. And I have a Ford Aerostar van with a giant dented sliding door. You couldn't even get out the sliding door. Uh, everybody had to exit through the front doors. Uh, because in Georgia, when you're driving, you have to watch out for what animal do you have to watch out for in Georgia? Deer. Yeah. Not only will you hit deer, they will hit you. And we were parked, and the deer ran into the sliding door. And uh, our family just didn't have the money, and we were like, well, we got two other doors, and so we're just going to figure it out. And that became my car. And I joined a lot of clubs in high school. Our clubs met before school, simply because I wanted to show up to school early so nobody could see me driving the mint green Ford Aerostar van. They thought I was really into the clubs. No, I just was ashamed of my car. But um, anyway, so when I got to the point where I could drive, you know, I got, drove my own cars and I could get to a point where I could save money for a car. Like all I could think about was having a nice car. So I went and got a brand new Mitsubishi Eclipse. It was black, tan leather interior. I was so fired up by that thing. I knew that's the car I wanted. I was the easiest sale uh, for that salesperson, I walked right up to it. I didn't haggle or anything. I just said, I want that one. And he said, okay. I went in and I, I knew I was going to qualify for it. I had my granddad there to help me qualify for it. 
And then, uh, you know, that car eventually became a car payment. I got a bunch of speeding tickets with that car. It wasn't pretty. And then after that car, I was like, well, I still like cars. And so I ended up getting this blue Volvo, which was like a luxury vehicle. Some of you have seen my blue Volvo. Um, that was a thorn in my flesh for many years because while it was a luxury vehicle, it also had luxury vehicle maintenance costs. And, uh, I'm in the ministry. <laughs> so we don't have the ability to, to, we didn't, we weren't making all that money to do all of that. And this, this car, I think it was a lemon. And, but for so long, I desperately pursued having the nice car. I don't know what you desperately pursue. What are you, what's keeping you up at night? What are you thinking about all the time? When you wake up, what's the, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? You know, some of us, it's, it's our kids, it's our family. Some of us, it's like, well, what's going on in social media? And so before you even start scrolling through the pages of your Bible, you start scrolling through your phone. But uh, what are you desperately pursuing right now? What's... What's got you thinking? As I'm talking about it right now, what are you thinking about? Some of us, it's a relationship. It's a friendship. I'm a father of two. I I think about my kids all the time. I think about my wife all the time. You know, I got, I just, I'm like, I I worry about how I'm going to be as a dad. So I went and I went to our bookshelf and I said, I need I need to read about how to be a good father. And so I put five books on raising boys in today's society next to my bed. I haven't opened them yet. (laughs) So I'm not desperately pursuing it yet, but I do want to desperately pursue that. And so what is it for you? You know, and, and I think about that, you know, and I can tell you, honestly, church, one of the things that I desperately pursue, one of the things that keeps me up at night is actually you guys. I think about you all the time. I pray for you. My wife and I pray for you. I know. And it's not just because it's my job as a minister, but I think about that all the time because I look around the world and I just I don't want the world to come into here. I look at how busy the world is and how busy our schedules get. And how those schedules and, and, the, and just life and stuff happening around us can actually start crowding out that desperate pursuit that maybe we once had for God. I look around how we are with our neighbors and it bothers me. You know, I do believe and I agree with it that the garage like we invent, you know, the garage is like the worst invention in the world because I pull into my garage, I shut it and I don't talk to anybody around me. And, uh, you know, it's like I have to like I keep my garage door open now a lot and I'll sit out there playing with my kids around four o'clock and I wait for my neighbors to come home. (laughs) And then I'm like, hey, let me talk to you. And hey, let me talk to you, too. And so I know all of my neighbors and I just got some awesome neighbors. Michael and Lindsay Hammer just moved like, you know, so we're going to team up. It was fun. My my sons broke them in. They uh, saw their garage open and they just ran into their house and they said, hey, we're here to see Hunter. And I'm like, that is not the first time that's going to happen. You know, but one of the things that keeps me up at night is I feel like because of our lives and the busyness of our lives and all that's going on around in the world, that we maybe have lost some of that desperate pursuit for God that we once had. 
that we've lost a little bit of the thirst. That we've forgotten what it's like to truly hunger after a relationship with God. I was reminded of that in, uh, this past week. At, we were in a Bible study with one of the guys in our marriage ministry in Matthew chapter 12. Verse 43, it says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through in arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. And when I read that and as we were doing the Bible study, I thought this is it. This is what I want to communicate this morning. Because what we can do, we can get so inundated with just programs. You know, and and there's a lot of really great programs, like financial programs. Our church invested a lot a few years ago into Dave Ramsey. That is an amazing financial program. We can get inundated in diets. Anybody here on a diet or been on a diet this year? I'm on a diet right now, kind of. My wife's on a diet, so I'm on a diet. That's just how it works. We can get inundated with, like, Going out and get, you know, the self-help programs or, or even chasing after mental health programs. And you know what the thing is? All of that is very good. Sports, schooling, all of that is really good. You know what that does? That cleans your house. That helps your house get in order. But it is never meant to be the thing that fills the house. It's actually good when you start going down those paths. I love and support so many of those programs that are out there for us. Where we we actually decide to deal with the the inner stuff, the deeper stuff, or the health stuff. Or we start dealing with the mental health, or the physical health. Or we get out there and do sports. You know, I want to get my kids into sports. Those are great programs. But they're not ever meant to be the things that are going to fill that emptiness that's inside of us. Just because the house is clean doesn't mean the job is done. And that's what the scripture is talking about. It says those demons, those impure spirits, they're actually, they leave the house and they come back. And when they see, wow, it's swept clean. Wow, they, they got their finances in order. They got their family in order. Their marriage is doing better. They went through some marriage classes. They, got, they, they went through some, some mental health classes and dealt with their past pain. They actually are in shape. Where's God? I don't see him. Okay, come on, friends. Let's go. What have you filled the house with? Is the job done? What have you filled the house with? You see, when I look around, Satan has done a good job at targeting our families. Our children, our marriages, our finances, he's messing with the homes. And if he can disturb your home, he can disturb your faith. And he doesn't leave if you ask nicely. It just doesn't work like that. Satan doesn't fight fair. 
No, he gets reinforcements. He comes back stronger than ever. You ever been in a place, I know I've been in those places where, you know, I used to struggle with drinking a lot. And where I'd go through moments of not drinking. I'd go get help, I'd talk to somebody. But then, when I fell, I didn't go back to where I started. I went back to where I ended. And then got worse. Does that make sense? You ever been there? Where you've tried to do it on your own? Without putting God in there, and it just, it doesn't, it it might work for a little bit, but it doesn't last. And that's what's going on here. We got to have that desperate pursuit. Satan doesn't just roll over, he doesn't plate fair. And, you know, if we're going to have a desperate pursuit for God, you have to fight for it. You have to fight to have that desperate pursuit. Pursuit because why there's there's too much at stake. You have to pray intently. You have to get desperate. You gotta get on your knees. You gotta do something radical. Because there's too much at stake. The home is at stake. Your family is at stake. Your kids are at stake. That desperate pursuit, that is this hunger and it's this thirst. After God and his direction, his healing in your life, that's what that desperate pursuit is. It's this person who has an extreme hunger and they will stop at nothing to get it. You know, many of us don't really know what it's like to be without food. To really hunger. I know I don't. I've never, ever really, really hungered. To where, like, I don't know if I'm going to eat this week. Like, I've never felt that before. I've had moments where I chose not to eat or I forgot to eat. Or, you know, as a college student, I'm like, well, all I can afford is ramen. And you, there's a million ways to make ramen pretty good. But I've never really known hunger. Like, I think I need to know a hunger for God. It will take desperation coupled with pursuit to keep Satan out of the family, to keep him out of the house. And I think about this story. Turn in your Bibles over to Mark chapter uh, 5. And I love this story because in the story, Jesus, he's on his way to do something amazing. A synagogue leader has shown up to Jesus And he says, my daughter is sick. And his name was Jairus. And it says, and Jesus, with the crowd following him, was on his way. And in Mark chapter 5, it starts out, we're going to pick it up right before verse 25. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. And she had this spirit of desperation, this desperate pursuit, but it just wasn't accomplishing anything. And she had been sick and subject to bleeding for 12 years. And and actually, the Bible tells us she went and got the help, but instead of it getting fixed, it actually got worse. And this is what we can do sometimes. We can find ourselves in a situation and we'll go get help. We'll try to pacify the the pain with the things the world has to offer. 
but it doesn't really get completely fixed. And she's sitting there, and it's just gotten worse, and and she's lost all her money. And Jesus walks by. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Guys, this is why you talk about your faith. Because here she is, someone, and I don't know if other people knew that she was, had been bleeding for 12 years, but there are people out there, people around you, people in your community, people who are your neighbors, who are bleeding on the inside, who are, are literally losing life and they're spending all they have to get to fix the problem and they're spending it on programs. And what they need to hear from you is about Jesus. They need to hear Jesus is coming. She heard about Jesus. And if you're... Here's, here's one thing. I can promise you this. If you give somebody that barbecue invite, we're going to preach about Jesus next week. Ron's going to preach about Jesus. Okay? It is the answer. It's the one thing that's going to completely fill the house up. She heard about Jesus from somebody. That's why you talk about your faith. Her desperation led her to Jesus, but it was her pursuit that brought her the healing. She comes up to him and touches him. And I love her thought process. If, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. You see, we can have the feeling of desperation, but if it's not coupled with the pursuing, nothing happens. Let me say that again. We can have the feeling of desperation, but if it's not coupled... With the action of pursuing, of doing something about it, nothing will happen. And that's what she did. She's like, she knew that she was desperate. Some of us, we don't know we're desperate and we got to get there first. But she knew that she was desperate, but she had to, she was like, all I got to do is touch him. What great faith. What great faith. She didn't say, I got to talk to him. She didn't say, I got to stop him in his tracks. She's like, he is walking by. I know who he is. I've heard about his power. I've heard what he can do. All I have to do is touch him. And it says she got to him. And now this woman, and if you understand Bible custom, I'm not going to get into all of it, but she was considered unclean because of the bleeding. So she would have been a little bit of an outcast in society. And anything she touched would have been considered unclean. And so it says she pressed on through the crowd. Now I want to talk about something real quick. My, my wife, I, I love Lashana so much. And uh, she talks, she has this phrase that she uses for our kids when they're getting on her nerves. All parents have this, right? You know, my mom used to say, you're pushing my buttons. And uh, Lashana says, they are pressing my spirit. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> she came up with that with her sister. And, uh, you know, many of you know that about her. And we, it, we, just, we just laugh about it. She's like, Press, they are pressing my spirit today. And I just, I think it's so funny when she stares, says it. And, uh, and, I, and I, I wrote this down. I was like, what did this woman do? She pressed into his presence. She pushed herself 
to get to him. And she didn't care who she touched. She didn't care what happened on the way. She gets there at once. Verse 30, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around and he's like, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And the people are like, there's people all around you. What do you mean, Jesus? There's people all around you. He's like, no, 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 no. Somebody with great faith who's on a desperate pursuit of me touched me. Somebody touched me. I know there's a lot of other people touching me, but they ain't really touching me. She really touched me. Your desperate pursuit of God will stop him in his tracks every single time. And you will have an audience with the Lord Almighty if you have that desperate pursuit like this woman had. You will have that type of audience. You know, we got it. Some of us, you know, there's many things that I've had a desperate pursuit for. One of the, another thing was running. I used to love running and I still like running, but not as much as I used to. I read books on it. I studied it. I studied great runners. I imitated their workouts. I wrote papers on running in high school and college. If I ever got the freedom to say, hey, just write anything you want. I wrote it on running. I wrote a 10 page paper on the mental aspects of distance racing one time. And I asked my teacher to read a book before she read my paper so she understood what I was saying. I had this, I mean, and I woke up thinking about it. I woke up, like, I, I contemplating how my race was going to go. I went to bed thinking about it. I researched it. I, I, I YouTube. well, I didn't have YouTube back then, but I watched movies about it. God's redirected my zeal a little bit. I like to run. But I'm not desperate to run anymore. Maybe God needs to redirect some of your zeal. There's things that you're desperately pursuing that you're passionate about and he can use that same passion for him for his kingdom but maybe what is it he heals her jesus kept looking around in verse 32 to see who had done it then the woman knowing what had happened he came and fell at his feet and trembled with fear and told him the whole truth And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. He healed her. He set her free. And I want to focus on one little thing before we close out. He called her daughter. If you remember the beginning of the story, she was just a woman. Just a woman who was subject to bleeding. And she went from being a woman who's subject to bleeding to when she touched Jesus, he's saying, somebody touched me. So she went from a woman to a somebody. And from a somebody to his daughter. When you desperately pursue after God, he can change your life that fast. That fast. When you decide to go after him with that type of desperation, he can change Your life that fast. But you have to exercise your faith. And maybe you have to exercise the faith of somebody else. Because she had heard about Jesus and she trusted what she heard. And so she went and touched him. But somebody, you got to have, you got to go from a somebody to a daughter or a son. And when you decide to actually trust in Jesus, that's what he'll do for you. You won't just be that person, that certain person. 
you will actually become part of his family. He will look at you as a son or a daughter when you desperately pursue him. In Matthew 5, verse 6, let's go to the next scripture. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And here's the point. You can't have that spirit of desperation coupled with a godly pursuit and not be filled. If you're looking to be filled, there's the answer. You have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. You have to go after it like you're going after your next meal. And I'm not talking about lunch. I'm talking about like you haven't had a meal in a really long time. Like some of you are going to run to the front of the line at the barbecue service. Like that type of hunger. I know some actually won't eat dinner the night before just so they can really eat a ton at the barbecue service. But if we are going to be, if we want to be filled up, if we want to fill the house, we can do all these out things, outside things for ourselves. We can do the diet plans. We can work on the, we can get the self-help and it's all so good. But it doesn't, it's never designed to be the thing that's going to fill the house up. It's going to require this hunger and thirst for righteousness, for stand, that right standing with God, that relationship with God. So what do you got to do? You got to get in your Bible. I suggest getting a hard copy. Because I don't know about you guys, my phone is going off all the time. And if my Bible is my source, if my phone is on my Bible, like it's good to have there. But it just, you know, I get a lot of distractions there. I got to get away. I got to get a Bible. I got to get into my word. I got to study it. I got to redirect my zeal. The things that I'm most passionate about, the things that, you know, put up that question again. It's the last slide. You know, those those things that I'm desperately pursuing right now, I got to ask myself, what am I desperately pursuing right now over God? What's getting all my attention? What am I waking up thinking about? What's keeping me up at night? Is it God? Is it his kingdom? Is it seeing his will done here on earth? Or is it the, the fact that football's starting next month? Is it your fantasy league? You know, guys... It's good to take inventory every now and then and ask yourself, wow, where's my focus? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when you do that, the promise is you will be filled up. The other stuff, it's fleeting. Hunger and thirst after the right things. We're going to stand up and close in one final song. Brothers and sisters, I am looking forward. Yes, thank you. I'm looking forward to next week. I'm looking forward to worshiping together at the 30th anniversary service. Make sure you get registered for that and make sure you hand out those invites to your friends to be at the barbecue service next week. They're going to be filled spiritually and physically. Amen.